Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dale. Got a new assignment for you. Vacation. Uh, thanks, boss. Y- you mean it? You betcha. Self-care is good for business. Sometimes things just get better, like AT&T. We've invested more than $150 million to grow our wireless network coverage to over 99% of Nebraska. Visit att.com slash Nebraska and learn how to get a free smartphone when you switch to AT&T. Coverage not available everywhere. Over 99% coverage based on third-party data. Network investments based on 2018 through 2020 expenditure. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. As always, I am joined by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Thursday morning. The Cubs and Mets wrapped up a three game series on Wednesday with two of the game endings coming on Wednesday with Tuesday night's game suspended and resumed on Wednesday before the regularly scheduled game. So we will recap those three games, and then we will preview the upcoming weekend as the Cubs, I believe, have already arrived in Atlanta for their rain makeup on Thursday. And Friday, the Cubs will head to Philadelphia to play Jake Arietta's Phillies. So we have a lot to get you ready for. And to recap, uh, as always, a little programming note before we dive into things. You guys know the spiel, but we do two episodes a week before and after each series. Obviously, this week is a little interesting because this Braves game on Thursday is not really a series, but chose to jump in here now as we think that's best. 
And as always, you can find us on any of the major and minor podcast listening mediums, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Apple Podcasts app. We are available on Spotify now. And of course, uh, maybe one or two more times, but just a heads up, Blog Talk Radio does not update the feed anymore. It is now a service called Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. So you can find us there. As always, if you are not seeing episodes or are wondering when we are going to publish, you can reach us on Twitter. I am at CF Cubs Related. Brendan is at Cubs Related. And we are more than happy to uh, talk with you guys on there. So, as always, thank you guys for indulging that. We just want to make sure that everybody can find us and uh, is able to access the podcast as easy as possible. So, with that being said, let's jump into this Met series and get things going. And, Brendan, I think we we kind of reference a lot on this podcast that sometimes you just have to accept that baseball is a little weird. And if you want a prime example of that, the Cubs win two games in this series. Uh, Those two games started by Noah Syndergaard and the probable uh, favorite for the National League Cy Young, Jacob deGrom. And they won those games, uh, but the game started on Wednesday afternoon by Jason Vargas and his six and a half ERA, the Cubs lose. Go figure, right? Uh, but that's that's baseball uh, for you. So getting into it, on Monday, the Cubs do beat uh, Noah Syndergaard. They win that game seven to four. Noah going six innings, allowing nine hits, four runs, three walks, six strikeouts, and he throws 102 pitches in those six innings. So a really solid effort from the Cubs offense to get to Syndergaard. They had some really uh, nicely struck balls, some hard contact in that game. They took some walks. They ran up that pitch count. Really exactly what you want to see against one of the game's better pitchers, though the Mets do have a better one that they threw on uh, Tuesday night. John Lester does not get the his 15th win in this one, but he was good in this game. Six innings, five hits, three earned, three walks, three strikeouts. And the, the, the key for John here is that it was a struggle early on. He, like Syndergaard, was also giving up some hard contact. It was a very humid, hot evening in Chicago. I think that probably contributed to it uh, for both of these starting pitchers. But John really settled down. Uh, he also had a two RBI single in this game and picked a runner off and <laughs> made a, you know, falling backward catch to prevent his head or part of his body from being taken off by a line drive. But this was John Lester, world-class athlete and all-around baseball player on display. He does it all, folks. He hits, he drives in runs, he pitches, he plays defense. What can't the man do? There's a reason that I call him the GOAT, and it's because he is. He still it needs on one more homer, though, Corey. Just one more. He does need one more homer for uh, Corey to get a tattoo, Got to tell you, when I showed up at the ballpark on Monday, I, I was I was really feeling like that was the night. Those flags were whipping in center field. It, it, it was one of those Chicago nights, so like for part of the game, you know, whipping out, whipping left, whipping in. But there were definitely moments where I was like, man, if he if he even gets the bat on the ball, we're going to be in uh, <laughs> real trouble here. But uh, other than the John Lester two run single, uh, the Cubs getting their runs and Anthony Rizzo double. 
a Ben Zobris double, a Wilson Contreras force out, and an Anthony Rizzo home run in the eighth to round everything out. His 22nd on the year, Anthony Rizzo stays red hot. I imagine we will touch on that a little bit later in the show. Moving to Tuesday, uh, I guess sort of Tuesday, uh, the Cubs and Mets play one-to-one into the 10th inning, uh, and then things get delayed by rain. We pick it up on Wednesday. Really not that much to discuss, obviously, from the Tuesday portion of this game. Cole Hamels with another very solid outing in this one. He goes five innings, four hits, no runs, three walks, and eight strikeouts. And I I think he would have been in line for another quality start getting through that sixth inning had Daniel Murphy not botched a double play ball, I believe, in the first inning. But early on in this game, uh, and, you know, again, we'll we'll maybe touch on this a little bit, but that was a real example of, you know, I know a, a lot of people, definitely including the two of us, have been very frustrated with Addison Russell uh, on the offensive perspective, but those two up the middle, that is a double play. There were a few balls, uh, re- I think, in this series where you're looking at that going, all right, well, you know, we know the, the offensive deal, but from defense, those are double plays if it's Addison and Javi up the middle. Uh, when with Murphy, Zobris, it's just not as easy. So uh, Jacob deGrom across from Cole Hamels was as good as advertised. There is a reason that this guy is uh, probably going to win the Cy Young and leaves this game with a 1.68 ERA, eight innings, eight hits, one earned, one walk, and 10 K's for Jacob deGrom. Very impressive to watch in person um, and for someone to be able to pinpoint a fastball with such command as he does. This game picks up on Wednesday afternoon prior to the regularly scheduled 120 start. Uh, the Mets Mets a little bit, throwing a ball away to allow the winning run to get to third. The Mets would load the bases, and guess who? Ben Zobrist with a clutch hit. Now, Brendan, I, I racked my brain all night for this, and I, I, I really wanted to have something, you know, a good stat or a good nugget for the podcast. I just can't think. Can you think of any other time where Ben Zobrist has had a clutch hit after a rain delay? Because I can't, I can't think of any. Mm, I think that was his first one, man. I, I really do. Yeah. Well, no, well, no, there was something in 2016, right? Oh, when the Cubs won the World Series, they won the, you're right. They won the World Series. That's correct. You are yes, right. Ben yes. Zobris does have a clutch hit after a rain delay in Game Seven of the World. It Series. It wasn't last year when the Dodgers lost win. the World Series. By the way, it was the year before when the Cubs won the World right, Series. Before yeah. you get those confused. Yeah, yeah it's, it's tough to keep it all in order. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Ben Zobris uh, does come through, get the job done. The Cubs win two to one, thus securing the series victory. And you know, kind of like I alluded to in the lead-in you're thinking okay jason vargas wednesday afternoon this is this should be a a nice little sweep here not so uh the mets were not having it uh and a good example of why it's difficult to sweep teams uh but the cubs don't do much against jason vargas which i think is is really the the disappointing note from this series uh vargas again who leaves this game with a six and a half era Picks up his fifth win, five and a third, four hits, one earned, two walks, six strikeouts. Just not the numbers you want to see for the Cubs offense. Uh, Alec Mills gives up a grand slam to Todd Frazier in the first inning, but otherwise was pretty solid again. He goes five innings, five hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. So really, other than that uh, messy first inning and a, a bad pitch to a guy you can't make a mistake to in Todd Frazier, 
a pretty solid couple starts here for Alec Mills over the last uh, you know week or week and a half or so. He he wins the game against the Reds or the Cubs win the game that he starts against the Reds, and then unfortunately he takes the loss here, but did settle down. Uh, Again, unfortunately, the Cubs offense just not really to dig themselves out of that hole, and then the Cubs bullpen puts on uh, somewhat of a rare display, if you will, but Randy Rosario and Brandon Kinsler were not good. The uh, newly called up Norwood was also not good, and that's pretty much the story here. Really not much to write home about. Javi and Daniel Murphy getting off in this one. And that's really the story, Brendan. So I will uh, throw it over to you here and just get your general thoughts on this Mets series and and the the general goings-on in what ultimately turns out to be a pretty strange series as the Cubs beat Noah Syndergaard, they win the game against Jacob deGrom, and then they lay a a total egg here in the afternoon game on Wednesday, losing 10-3 to Jason Vargas. So, Brendan, your thoughts. The most bizarre thing about this is over the course of the season when we faced Scherzer and Syndergaard and DeGrom and all these top pitchers, the Cubs have won, and they come out and they face Vargas, they get destroyed, right? Baseball is going to baseball. But the biggest takeaway, I think, seeing David Bodie at shortstop was interesting. I think it's more out of a necessity with Addison Russell being injured. But seeing Bodie at shortstop... I like that. That That's extra flexibility there. I don't know if we're going to see that consistently for this year, but you can imagine a scenario in the future where you need to shift over Bodie to wherever. And even Madden was talking about Bodie playing the outfield once KB comes back. I like that, Corey. And I think it goes to show you, one, just the great depth and luxury the Cubs have where they can have these guys successfully adapt to different positions. Now, Bodie didn't get too much action at shortstop, but he did look fine there, I think. So that was probably the most interesting aspect. I mean, of course, you have uh, the Alec Mills continuing to look, you know, decent. He had the first rough up uh, first inning there, but he settled down and looked pretty good. Uh, but overall, I think that's my my takeaway. Not much has happened in terms of pressing news since we recorded on Sunday, but other than KB successfully rehabbing so far, I'm trying in my mind to find ways to get David Bodie in this lineup consistently. And if it involves him playing shortstop, even the you know spell Javi Bias for a few games, I'm all for it, Corey. Yeah, I, I, you know, watching the game today, especially because the Cubs went down early, I, I decided to, when he did have the opportunities to pay particular attention to what Bodie was able to do at short, he, I thought he looked really good. There were a couple of plays where, you know, you just look at, at the footwork and his general movements, you know, covering second, trying right. to turn double plays, et cetera. He looks pretty good. I mean, we're, we're certainly spoiled with riches from the defensive shortstop position in, you know, seeing Addison Russell and Javi Baez play that position with such regularity. But, you know, especially when you contrast it to the way that Daniel Murphy or Ben Zobrist look trying to make similar plays at second base, you know, it stood out that Bodie looked very comfortable there, very smooth, um, and not, particularly uncomfortable there I think in a in a pinch you'd definitely be comfortable having David Bodie do that and and you know thinking 
you know, maybe you, you at certain points want someone with more familiarity there, but I would certainly rather David Bodie get those opportunities than someone like Mike Freeman coming up, <laughs> you know, just because he is a shortstop. Yeah, I did that to you, Brendan. How I did. Dare well, the rosters are that. expanding. You know, Ugh. it's going to come up. I apologize. Ugh. But disgusting. But so here, here's kind of a fun stat, Corey. I was looking just at Bodie's defensive value and I was reading the athletic article that was published. What is it? Two weeks ago about his kind of rise to the bigs, but most importantly in that article was Brian Butterfield and Joe Madden's perception about Bodie's defense, because that was the first thing that caught those two coaches attention when Bodie was going through the ranks. He was always being raved about how much of a quality defender he was. But interestingly, Madden said that the defensive aptitude for Bodie was more about him playing second base, which kind of struck a chord with me because that suggests he's a middle infielder kind of by nature. So to have him successfully now go to third base, which is what we saw this year, and seeing what he's done is impressive. So you can have all the beef you want with UZR. It, it is limited under certain contexts. But at the same time, it doesn't measure outs being made. That's that's what it comes down to. Uh, Bodie's UZR at third base this year, Corey. He's already accumulated basically five points. Okay, but to put that into context, that's basically almost four times the amount an everyday player at third base will accumulate over the course of a season. So he's basically been four times better than an average third baseman defensively, just defensively, not even offensively. That's that's insane. And I think everything we see lines up with that. So I think a natural talking point here is when rosters do expand, there are going to be certain players who may get called up. One is Ryan Court. The second one is Mike Freeman. And we're seeing Tommy Listella get a little bit more frequent playing time as of late, and that's because more or less out of necessity with Javi Baez being, or Joe Madden saying that Javi Baez needs more time off, right? So I bring this up just because if you can get Bodie in a shortstop with Addy out, you don't have to see Mike Freeman. You don't have to see Ryan Court in the middle of a pennant race. I do not want to see Mike Freeman at all in this lineup. And <laughs> at this point, I don't really, I love Lestella Corey. I really do. I love his persona. I love how the team, his teammates gravitate towards him, but he's been awful, man. I mean, just brutal defensively and offensively. There comes a point where you just, you can't really play Lestella when you're only four, four and a half games up in the division right now. Right. I, I think that this was something that we maybe meant to talk about on the last show, but the look, I, again, Tommy's been a good part of this team for a few years now, and I have, you know, n- no ill will toward the guy, but the sooner somebody bumps him from this roster, the better. He He just is not He's not good, Brendan. I, I mean, look, I, I understand the numbers that he's put up in, in pinch hitting roles, and those are difficult to do. And so I have mad respect for his ability to maintain a good approach and to come through in so many of those situations when you're not getting regular playing time and you're being called upon in random spots. But 
I just, you know, like games like today, I hate seeing him in the lineup getting four at bats. He, he just is not good enough. He doesn't. And, and I think to your point and, and the overall point, and when I say he's not good enough, this team is really talented. Like he's, if he's the worst guy on your bench, that's okay. But at a certain point, when you look around, especially when Chris Bryan comes back, obviously, I understand the Cubs are dealing with injuries, so it's not that big a deal. But, when you look around and you look at someone like David Bodie and you say, okay, even if he's not going to play every day, what is he bringing to the table? He's good defensively. Exactly. He's versatile right. defensively. He's a pretty decent runner. He's come through situationally. He showed all sorts of flash on the offensive side. He's, he's hitting for a pretty decent average. He's showing power. He's been clutch. He's, the he's game against everything. Jacob deGrom... Right. They, they get two extra innings because he comes through and puts a ball to deep center field to, you know, for a sacrifice fly. Did you think that was gone off the bat? Honestly, did you? You did. I did not. <laughs> no. So because, you did not stand no, up. I, I, I always, well, we stand, were, I think we were already up? standing up. Did you stand up? I think up? we were already standing uh, up. I was not sure. That. A majority of Wrigley was not standing up. You stood up, didn't you? This is an, that's an interesting comment for someone who wasn't I'm there. watching the game. Um, I saw all the replays. They had a camera on section two twenty, Brendan. Well, they had a they had a camera the from the anyway, first base side. Go ahead. I I try to keep an eye on the on the center fielder, and unless you get that reaction, like oh yeah, this is gone. To be honest with you, my first thought was this will get the run in, yeah. You know, and then I'll worry about <laughs> like whether it lands in the basket or not. Um, it did sound really good off the bat, though. I'll tell you. I that. thought it was gone on TV, but you know, just TV. Yeah. Well, you know, you're you're kind of an amateur, but that's fine. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, when you look at Listella, you are getting a guy who is not a good runner. He has no power. He has a terrible arm. And he's bad anywhere you put him defensively. So what it comes down to is he's got to be hitting. And I think that's, that, that's sort of my overall point here is that this isn't necessarily to – like knock Tommy Stella because what he's being asked to do is difficult. But there comes a point where, you know, especially when you get Chris Bryant back, and even if you were looking at a, a potential playoff roster, right, you know, you might look at someone like Terrence Gore, who the Cubs picked up, as a, as a pinch runner specifically, like that's a more specific skill that I think this group needs rather than someone who yeah. is a pretty good pinch hitter. And, you know, for right now, he's not doing that. And again, it's it's not easy, but it's like if he's not hitting, he has no value to this team. And I so I just think his his time is dwindling here unless he gets hot and, and really sort of reminds you of you know, why he's on this team in the first place and what his back can do. But I mean, you know, it, the, the numbers are the numbers. He has 11 hits in his last 46 at bats, five in his last 28. I mean, in his last 15 games, it's only 28 at bats, but I mean, he's got a, what, a 447 OPS. Not and good. again, it's only, it's only 28 at bats, but that's, all he's going to do and and if if he if it's not coming through it's not coming through and we're just seeing too many soft grounders to second base and just not really competitive at bats and swings so i think it it just becomes that you you have a talent crunch and this is a great problem to have but unfortunately there are people who kind of 
fall by the wayside when you're looking at stuff like this. And and I do think that Bodie is is a very good comparison. And, you know, who knows how long Bodie will be able to keep up stuff like this. But even if his offense diminishes a little bit, that's what we're saying is that you look at this other stuff. Okay, but he's he can play good defense, various positions, good runner, like right. Tommy's not doing any of that. So if he's not hitting, he just is going to run out of uh, of a space here. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I think once rosters expand, you're still going to see Tommy. That's the thing. Like you're going to see a lot of these guys play, and they're not going to make the playoff roster. I think that's almost uh, a certainty at this point. Like Tommy's just not going to make the playoff roster. I'm just more concerned about how do you not have these guys take at bats? How do you have Mike Freeman not have to take at bats against quality teams in the upcoming weeks? That's kind of uh, where where my focus is. And I think what we're seeing with Chris Bryant right now, like everything's incredibly, incredibly encouraging. So just to review what he's done in his final rehab game today, he goes one for three in his game. His second game, he goes one for two. And then in the first game, I think they 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 scored one of his batted balls in air, but it was a ripped should have been a double in the left field gap. Uh so overall, everything we've seen from Bryant has been really positive from Iowa. And everything he's saying is also encouraging. He's saying that he likes his new two-handed swing approach. He's not having any pain. So we could see Bryant back, honestly, even Friday. Not tomorrow, obviously, but Friday seems like a really good shot. And so when he does come back, I think we're going to see a little bit more of this this merry-go-round, if you will, in the outfield. I think with Schwarber and I think with Hayward and Elmora and Hap, especially Elmora and Hap, the way they've been kind of struggling recently, I would not be surprised, Corey, if we're going to see KB in left field or KB in right field where you can shift Hayward to center field to spell Hap and Elmora just because, you know, they haven't been the best and they themselves maybe fatigued a little bit and if that's the case then Bowie's gonna get more playing time and it's it's funny we were talking about this last week but who would have thought in March that we would be talking about Cole Hamels David Bodie and uh, Daniel Murphy on this team influencing games to this degree it's kind of mind-blowing if you think about it yeah, it's it's fascinating, and yeah, man, on the uh, Almora and Hap are like in a race to see who can like take away their own playing time as quickly as possible. I think it's, it's going it's, to Almora right now, Matt. He's been brutal. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It, well, and then I mean, you have Hap today running over and just dropping that ball. I mean, to be fa- are, to be fair though, he's been better defensively. Hap, I think overall, yes, yeah. he, yes, he has. But I think it's it's a good contrast to like you know, obviously Almora does play a. Uh, a very good center field. Yeah. Uh, and we don't see mistakes like that from him as often as we do from half. But yeah, look, we've talked about this before, but they're struggling and it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, you're getting to the point now where you really need to be winning these games. This, this division is still tight. You're going into a very tough stretch playing some good teams. Obviously, you know, we faced DeGrom and, and Syndergaard, but you're, you're not done as far as good pitching is concerned. Aaron Nola moved up a day so that he gets to face the Cubs in Philadelphia. So, you know, these these guys really need to to click it into gear here because I think if you're Joe, at some point you kind of have to start getting a picture of how you want things to run 
in really crucial games down the stretch here and ultimately in the playoffs. And man, like I would be really uncomfortable, I think, given the group that the Cubs have. If Chris Bryan comes back and is close to normal, I would be pretty uncomfortable with seeing those guys getting too much time in the playoffs. Um, right. I mean, Almora at the plate right now is an absolute mess. So since the All-Star break, in 100 plate appearances, a 270 Woba, a 65 WRC+. Plus. He's not hitting the ball far whatsoever. That's a that's a big issue. Uh so yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I, well, and just you know, in in, in uh, the game on Tuesday night, not able to get a bunt down as the Cubs are trying to you know compete in a in a one run game there, and you know just just some bad at bats, and you know we've certainly seen those from Hap as well. But <laughs> so his, um, so just to contrast this, since we're on the same topic, almost identical numbers from Hap. So since the All Star break, a little over one hundred plate appearances, a two seventy four WOBA is sixty eight. WRC plus they've been essentially mirror right, so, images, right? So kind of you, you take your pick, right? Almora is the better defender, and Hap is the better base runner. But Hap so. has the more potential to like influence a game with one or two homers, right? That's the thing. It's hard to pick. Pro- yeah, probably right. So yeah, you're kind of you're kind of taking your pick there, but. Yeah, but so just to to finish, since we originally I think started this on on Chris Bryant, I, I think you have to be very encouraged from what we saw. I mean, you know, it's going to take him getting back in versus big league pitching and and seeing what he can do on a daily basis. But all of these reports are very good. He was driving the ball. You know, he doesn't hit a home run in any of these games, but the BP sessions were great, and you do see him drive the ball. He drove the ball. Uh, you know, both pull and oppo uh, to the wall or, you know, really well-struck balls. He was hitting uh, some hard, making some hard contact, took three walks in the three games with the Iowa Cubs. And so I think you have to be very encouraged. And, you know, he still obviously has not been back against live pitching for very long. So you hope that he continues to make strides in that regard as he kind of gets his timing back and, and just the overall feel for uh, some of the new stuff that he's doing with his with his two hands uh, finishing, he was kind of in and out of that during this stint in Iowa. I know you noticed that. I, I, it was it was weird, right? Like some of them. Yeah. yeah. I, well, and I it's mean, it's, it's a new thing for him, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you got to get used to it. But it, it was interesting because I think we were all kind of trying to get an idea of what this would look like, and there was a couple of swings. I think one of one of those deep fly balls he did he did pull uh, the one hand off the bat. Yeah, so it's still something he has to get used to. But I, I, I'm reading this quote uh, from the. Des Moines register here. And I, it is good to know that, uh, Chris still has his, uh, trademark sense of humor. But when they asked him when he would be coming up, he says, quote, I haven't talked to them yet. We don't know yet. I know rosters expand September 1st. So there should be a good chunk of those guys going up too. Hopefully I'm a September call up. (laughs) I hope so too, Chris. Oh geez, Chris. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh gosh, Chris Bryant. But yeah, it's it, it's exciting. I mean, it's it's really good to just hear, you know, especially because you know we're still dealing with this moral situation, and obviously we all saw what went on with the Darvis situation. This has just been a very positive and you know slow developing but progressing rehab assignment for Chris and and just overall uh, rehab progression. Can we talk so, about the bullpen for a second though? Because I think that actually is a good point. Um, Considering Strope has not been successful in his last two, do you want to talk about how bad Brandon Kinsler is? He's brutal, man. Like 
I don't even want to talk about Kinsler now, but I, I brought up Strobe because I was not pleased, and the Cubs did win the game, but I was not pleased how he was pulled in his most recent save chance. I just, I didn't like it. He gets, granted, he walks someone, and then he gives up a little tiny flare to right field and right. gets pulled. I, it's a three-run game, too. This was the first game of the series, by the way. I don't like that. And here's here's why. One, I trust Strope to kind of get out of that. I didn't think his stuff was that bad. He's still throwing heat. He still got a few whiffs. But most importantly, we're going to need Strope in the playoffs in those situations when the game calls for multiple innings even. If, if Morrow can't go multiple innings... Strope is going to face adversity, and I'm not saying that these situations are the only times that Strope will have to face adversity uh, in the next upcoming weeks, but I don't know. I felt as if against the Mets, against that lineup, it would have been useful for Strope to have that experience, to work through it, to get out of it, especially with a three-run buffer. I, I mean, a lot of people on Cubs Twitter agreed with the move and I certainly understand why Joe would do that he's playing no games here and I get that but I don't know Corey I think I I personally wanted to see Strope just get that experience yeah I don't know I didn't really necessarily take much issue with it I, I do know what you're saying but I think reading, you know, maybe between the lines a little bit about what Joe is saying is I, I think he's just not ready to commit to Pedro or anybody being the closer sans Brandon Morrow. And he even said today or, or yesterday that even when Morrow comes back, it it may not be just Morrow in safe spots automatically every time. So that's kind I, of weird, I actually. Necess- that's kind of weird. I mean, if he's healthy, he sh- it should be. I mean, that's what well, I mean. I th- I think they just meant they're going to check it out first, and you know, then maybe commit to it. I I don't know. That's, just, that's, I, a, it, that's a weird thing for Joe to say to me. I don't know. Like he was the yeah, unquestionable I mean, closer. look, it's it's not a it's not a situation that I think any of us are super comfortable with. Uh, but I I think at the end of the day, the Cubs have the pieces to get this done. If Morrow's able to come back and be even you know, moderately close to as effective as he was, I think that they have the group to to figure it out. I'm going to be very uncomfortable, you know, if Joe is Bruce Bochying it in the playoffs, right, where he's making a pitching change every 30 seconds. Uh, that might be but, a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, think that's, I, I think that's what they're going to do. And, you know, I think I said this maybe in the last episode, but Joe kind of echoed those sentiments in the last couple of days here where you know, you just pointed out like Pedro's not the closer. He he's never been the closer, and he wasn't necessarily prepared to be the closer. So, which is um, why I kind I, of wanted him to get that preparation more more so mentally, if anything. That's the point that I was making. Yeah, you know? no, I I I I hear where you're coming from. I I just it's didn't, the Mets. <laughs> I, I just didn't necessarily take as as much um, of an objection with it, but I I do understand what you're saying. I mean, certainly. You know, taking out Strope and and bringing in Justin Wilson as as good as he's been, I you know I'd be lying if I said I was super confident in the move or, or super thrilled. But I at this point, I I think I'm just resigned to the fact that this is 
just the hand that they were dealt and and Joe is just trying to figure out a way to to get these wins and sometimes it's it's going to require a little more outside of the box I guess however you want to call it approach and but I I, I do see what you're saying I I, I would like Strope if you know depending on what Moro's deal is you know to be confident and for everybody to be confident in that but I to be honest with you I just don't know that that's going to happen he I don't know but, I, but I, I, let me let yeah. me just jump in there too real quick um and give the update kind of on Moro uh and so Jim Hickey was on 670 the score and he said, quote, you'll see Brandon probably later, sometime in the middle of September. The key with Morrow is simply to have him ready and then have him fresh all the way throughout the playoffs. That's the plan with him. So I'm skeptical that's going to be the case. I, yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think we all heard an awful lot of the stuff with Darvish, you know, and it obviously didn't pan out the way that they wanted. Um, but Morrow is, you know, reporting no pain during, after, before any of his sessions. He's been throwing. He hasn't thrown from a mound yet, I don't believe, but he's been playing catch, long toss, and, you know, they're progressing. So I, from where I sit, it may be a tumultuous September without him, but I would be focused on if it is at all possible to have him able to go in the playoffs do whatever you can to make that happen. And again, it may get a little dicey here in September with these guys, though I do still trust Pedro Strope and the rest of these guys very much. But I would be looking at this going, okay, what is the timetable? Can he be healthy come October? If so, take as much time as you need and and just try to have him available as a weapon in the playoffs. Yeah. That, that seems like best case scenario and, uh, you know, that's fine. Yeah. That's my, my main concern. And I've almost exhaustively have said this over the last month and a half now, but having the luxury of Wade Davis and Chapman go multiple innings, we saw the effect they had on this bullpen, especially when the bullpen over the last two seasons towards the end of the year, just got derailed a little bit with Pedro Strope and Rondon in 2016 and CJ last year. Just the overall status of the bullpen. That's that's my concern. So having Morrow come back, even if it is like an 80% Brandon Morrow, if he can go one inning, you know, every other game in the playoffs, I'll be okay with that. Granted, I'm kind of going under the mindset that we're not going to have him back. I, I know that's like a very negative thing to say. But he was he was using words like stress reaction a few weeks ago, and this sounds awfully similar to what we heard with Darvish. So I think once we get to this point, we're, we're approaching September now, and Morrow has not thrown off a mound. Like at some point in your mind, as as we're all fans, as a fan, you got you kind of just have to accept the possibility that we may not see him. Now that's not the case. Jim Hickey, of course, like you said, Corey. He's aiming for a mid-September return to get him healthy for the playoffs, and that's all good and promising and encouraging, and I think we should be excited about that. But I guess from my point of view, I'm not going to get my hopes up, I guess. I, maybe that's just who I am, and you can pick on me for that. But I think the main crew come playoff time is going to be Strope, is going to be Carl Edwards Jr., is going to be Cizek, 
and it's going to be Justin Wilson. And whether or not you're comfortable with that, uh, you're going to have to try to figure out how to be comfortable with that. Personally, I'm fine I with it. I think Chavez is in that And group Chavez, as well. too. Uh, Ch- yeah, I forgot about Chavez. But I think, yeah, absolutely, he's in that group, too. So you have five very good quality pitchers to rely on. And if Justin Wilson continues to do what he's been doing, I think this is a pen that's deep. And you can go and call upon someone in the eighth or ninth inning from those five guys. And if it's Chavez coming in the seventh inning, I'm fine with it. The guy is nails. He throws strike after strike after strike. And I got to say, Corey, too, if Montgomery can come back healthy, right? that is a big boost. I, I, I just cannot emphasize that anymore. That's a huge boost. He can come in for multiple innings. He can uh, amp up the velocity, maybe kind of capitalize on those secondary pitches as a result of the velocity. I think they're going to be fine even without Morrow, but just having them back for one inning every other day would make a difference. Yeah, and, and also we were hearing, too, that Drew Smiley getting ready yeah. to uh, go out on a rehab Forgot assignment. About that, yeah. No clue what he, you know, how that how that'll progress, but he his, again, you know, similar to some of these other ones, his his progress has been good. We've been hearing positive things, and this was kind of always a possibility when they made the signing. It was certainly a signing more geared towards the 2019 season, but even when he first signed, the timeline was, well, it's possible that he could come back and maybe throw some relief for this team in 2018 if everything goes well. So we'll see how that goes, but he's he's a talented guy with a, with with good stuff and you know, perhaps uh, you can kind of catch lightning in a bottle there and, and find yourself uh, an interesting guy to bring in out of the pen. You know, when you do look at, you know, I think Randy Rosario, not really getting it done, not a guy who I think you're going to want to have anywhere near the playoffs. Um, he just, you know, he doesn't get enough whiffs. And I think he was able yeah, to that's the issue. navigate through that early on uh, in his time up this year. But as you can see lately, it's it's, it's just coming back to bite him. And you know, we still have the month of September to go, but Brandon Kinsler has been bad. I mean, there's really no, there, there's no two ways about it. it reminds um, me of the, uh, been... the Joe Smith situation in 2016 or no, that's 2015. I'm confusing my, uh, my NLCS runs here, but Joe Smith came up, uh, was acquired around the same timeline as Kinsler got wrecked off the playoff roster. I think that's where you're going to see here with Kinsler as well. He's just been brutal. Yeah, he's just not been good. And uh so yeah, it it it's a tricky situation, but I, I think, you know, when you when you do have the ability, hopefully if Montgomery can come back to shift him back over to that long relief role or, you know, even short left handed relief, doesn't have to be long, uh, then maybe get someone like Smiley. Obviously as the rosters expand in September, you'll see guys like Dylan Maples again. And, you know, there so maybe you have one or two of these guys really show you something down the stretch here and you can kind of add another to that group that you named earlier Brendan but like I said I mean it's it's not a situation I I think anybody wants to be in where you're not necessarily sure what the hierarchy of the bullpen is exactly but it's it's just kind of where we find ourselves right. and I think that you know the Cubs are going to have to defer to their depth which they do have uh which is something that a lot of other teams don't have you know, and and the trade off is is that right now they don't have that lockdown presence. You know, with a big closer pedigree at at the back of this bullpen, so it's it's just sort of the situation that they're in. Um, but I am confident in that group in general to to get the job done. Right. Um, 
moving on here, I, you know, before we get into uh, previewing this series, well, this game with the Braves and then the the series with the, the Philadelphia Phillies, we'll do both. I, I just want to check in on Anthony Rizzo again, because he just keeps hitting Brendan. And I, I want to keep checking in on it because we d- it was such a thing at the beginning of the year. And he just looks so much more like Anthony Rizzo uh, every day with just the way that he is hitting the ball and, and going to the alleys and ripping line drives, hitting home runs, pull, oppo. It's it's so comforting in a year where, you know, we have missed Chris Bryan for so long. Addison Russell's out with injury. We've seen, like we talked about, guys like Almora and Hap struggling a bit here down the stretch to kind of keep up the paces that they had at earlier points in the season. And it's very comforting to see Papa Tony just sort of back doing his thing and, you know, just sort of an, an updated line for you here, but a 276 batting average, 372 on base percentage, 478 slugging, 360 weighted on base average, 125 WRC plus. He's got 22 home runs, 86 RBIs uh, coming out of that, the, the series with the Mets these are Anthony Rizzo numbers, Brendan, and it's uh, very comforting to see him continuing to do that. So I, I don't really think that that's something that can be stated enough. Yeah, he's even his outs, Corey. They're they're rockets. I I don't recall honestly a time when Rizzo has been this. I guess. Focus is not the right word, but just more just on point. I feel like whenever he's up at the plate, he's going to barrel up. Um, Actually, it's kind of interesting. I may go back and try to find a stretch that's similar to this current one. But yeah, man, that's that's the potential of this offense. Can you imagine like seeing KB, Rizzo, Javi, Murphy, Zobris in your top five come playoff time all healthy? Like that is ridiculous. Ridiculous, and then you could throw in if Contreras and Schwarber and Bodie and Russell and all these guys come back to some degree. This offense is ridiculous, honestly. So that's that's been encouraging to watch. And I got to say, I am kind of surprised to see Rizzo doing this. Well, I mean, not surprised in uh, an ideal world, but given what we heard with the injuries and the back problems, and for his ability to turn it on almost right after the All Star break has been a huge boost to this team. Um, also, I want to read off just the, the playoff projections right now. So the Cubs have a 99.2% chance of going to the playoffs. It's it's almost locked up to a degree. Um, and right now their division chances are at 88%. Uh, let's, let's preview this upcoming game against the Braves. And then the upcoming series against the Phillies, whom they actually may face come playoff time. But they do have a makeup game tomorrow, Corey, in Atlanta, or today rather, on Thursday. Mike Montgomery is coming back. He will be starting for the Cubs 4 and 4 with a 3.62 ERA. According to MLB.com, the Braves have yet to announce their starter. So unless you see something, Corey, that I don't, I don't have a matchup for you there. And then after that game, they'll immediately fly to Philadelphia where Jose Quintana will take the mound and he'll face Pavetta for the Phillies. Uh, Quintana, not a good start. His last time out, I thought, still showing spotty command and inability to get whiffs. 
but he is 11 and 9 with a 4.33 ERA. Pavetta 7 and 10 with a 4.76 ERA. And then on Saturday, oh by the way, that Friday game, it starts at uh, 4:05 p.m. Uh, Pacific time on it, but you know, 6:05 p.m. Central time. Okay, on Saturday, Kyle Hendricks takes the mound for the Cubs. That start time is at 6:05 p.m. Central as well. Hendricks has looked phenomenal lately. He's 10 and 10 on the year with a 3.86 ERA. He'll face Zach Eflin for the Phillies, who's 9 and 5 with a 3.99 ERA. And then on Sunday, to finish off this set, that will be a morning game for our for us West Coasters, but an early start for the uh, Midwest as well at 12:35. Uh, PM Chicago time. John Lester on the mound, fourteen and five with a three point six seven ERA. Aaron Nola on the mound. Gabe Kapler bumping him up, like you said, Corey. Nola's having an incredible year. Saw young candidate. He's fifteen and three with a two point one zero ERA. And just to remind you guys, if you're looking for tickets, it's very easy to get tickets right now through SeatGeek. We actually had a few tweets uh, directed at me over the last week using our promo code successfully. So if you're in Philly, if you're in Atlanta, or if you're going to Milwaukee next week, use SeatGeek. It's by far the easiest app to use. And especially with football coming back, uh, it's the logical way to get these tickets. So... By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek will help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget, whether on the first base sideline or the third base sideline or center field bleachers, wherever you want to sit, you can find tickets. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And of course, I consistently use SeatGeek on my phone it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. If I want to go to Dodger games, I'm on the West Coast, unfortunately, so Dodger Stadium is the only uh, place I can go to right now. I can get tickets within a matter of minutes, even hours before the game. I can get tickets extremely fast. Best of all, though, our listeners, you guys get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is just download the SeatGeek app on your phone, enter promo code CUBSRELATED today. That's promo code Cubs related for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And you can also just go to your computer and go to the website, and the promo code works there as well. Again, $20 off, really easy to do and for any ticket for this upcoming pennant race. SeatGeek Life's an event. We have the tickets. So I keep mentioning Mike Montgomery, Corey, but the, the reason I do so, his last start before he hit the DL was the most whiffs he generated the entire season in any start. And there were a few quotes. I don't have them in front of me, but just hearing Mike talk about even the effect of Cole Hamels coming over, those guys actually, believe it or not, have a similar repertoire. Cole Hamels is in a different stratosphere in terms of the efficacy of this stuff. But Montgomery has five pitches too. He has a cutter. He has a curve, changeup, two-seamer, four-seamer. He has the exact same basket of pitches. So I'm curious naturally. Unfortunately, he did get injured, but I'm still curious when he comes back if he still is able to utilize those pitches and get the same amount of whiffs. Because if that's the case, I'm not going to go out here on a limb, but come the end of September, if Ketana continues to struggle, like 
seeing a scenario where Montgomery and Q can piggyback on the same day is not the worst case for me. Yeah, so this is an interesting stretch for the Cubs, Brendan. I I think we mentioned this earlier in the week that they are going to be playing some teams that are going to need to win these games. So uh, this is, you know, you go straight from facing a bad Mets team, but they're two top pitchers. Uh, to facing a Braves team and a Phillies team that are right in the thick of this playoff race. So there's going to be no give, uh, if you will, from from the opponents that the Cubs are going to face. But just to give you uh, some context as we we head into this weekend here and uh, ultimately very soon the month of September. So this is, is really it, folks. The Cubs sit at 78 and 54, having just ended their seven game winning streak. The Cardinals at 74 and 59, four and a half games back after they drop one to the Pittsburgh Pirates on Wednesday night. The Milwaukee Brewers at 74 and 60, five games back on Wednesday evening. They win a really silly game uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. I believe the final there, 13 to 12. Uh, Christian Yelich hitting for the cycle. If only they had some pitching, Brendan. Um, <laughs> so the Cubs, five games up on the Cardinals in the loss column, six on the Brewers. So you've got some room here, but you're heading into a bit of a buzzsaw as it relates to the schedule. This is this is going to be an interesting thing for the Cubs to try to navigate. Um, but it, you know, again, does come as the roster should expand, and hopefully you're set to get Chris Bryant back and really be able to put together perhaps your best overall lineup of the year. year. If Chris is healthy, you can get Daniel Murphy in there. You know, you've got, I I think you're, you're, you're clicking at the right time. You're putting it together, peaking, if you will, at the right time. Um, So that's really, you know, I don't know that I have any special insight here. Um, You know, you're going to face Fultonevich. You're going to face Nola. By the way, excellent that's pronunciation tough. there. Wow, Fultonevich. It's like that's that's the best pronunciation we've ever had on is this it podcast. Right? I think, or is it Fultonovich? No, I think it's Fultonevich. I think that's I think that's right. I think I could say it five times. I'd I'd change how I said it every time. But it's like Jonathan so, Scoop or whatever. Right? Yeah, I don't even bother with that one. Scoop, scope, shoop. You can make up whatever you yeah. want, but. The the stretch here is this. You are on the road if you are the Chicago Cubs. I am not, so I'm not on the road. Uh, But until September 9th, you are in Atlanta, in Philadelphia, in Milwaukee for three, and then in Washington for four before coming home to face the Brewers and Reds, and that gets you to the middle of September there. So this is a tough stretch, Brendan. There are no off days from now until September 9th. And everybody but the Nationals is attempting very hard to get in the playoffs. So it was very good. I think when we we started that series against the Reds, you know, you had four against them, three against the Mets. You pick up six wins in that stretch. That is very good and basically as good as the Cubs could have executed that stretch. Now you just have to do your best to navigate these tough waters, and that's that's really it. You know, uh, you're going to hopefully get Chris Bryant. You're going to get some reinforcements in the way of the September call-ups, which should at the very least, you know, kind of mitigate situations like Wednesday afternoon where, you know, Joe basically has to say Javi's sitting because he needs some rest so he doesn't burn out. We, we still have a month left, um, and you're just going to have to navigate it. It's a tough stretch, so... 
I, I, I think that, you know, basically my only real thought here is to play clean baseball and you know, I think the the rest should take care of itself. But this is this is not the time for any sloppiness. You know, you want everything cleaned up and putting your best foot forward here. So um, it it'll be a very interesting stretch here. But the Cubs are fortunate that they, you know, as I read off a second ago, they they do have a bit of a cushion here. And if they're able to to play, you know, okay through this weekend, and if they can take two from the Brewers in that series uh, next week. You're looking at a very difficult time for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, to attempt to make this back. But having a five-game lead in the loss column over the second-place team in the NL Central is a good cushion to have with you know only a month of baseball left. So I think the Cubs are in a good position. They stand to get a bit healthier. And, you know, I think they're more than capable, obviously, of navigating this tough stretch. I know that there are a lot of negative Cub fans out there that really since 2015 have loved the narrative that the uh, Cubs, quote, you know, can't beat good teams. I think that's one that we we see a lot, you know, and even in that stretch, they go six and one against the Reds and Mets. You have plenty of people going, oh, congrats, it's the Reds and Mets. Well, you know, the Cubs don't write the schedule, folks. They they just beat who shows up at the field to play them. <laughs> so, um, you know, and they, I, I, there was a, a thing I was looking at earlier where they've they've faced uh, Nola, Kershaw, Syndergaard, DeGrom, and I think there was maybe one more, and they've won all of those games yeah. that those guys started. So, you know, like with DeGrom, they didn't necessarily beat him, but they found a way to win the game, and that's that's a mark of a good team is when you show up against these pitchers who are lights out. You don't have to beat them, but you figure out a, a way to beat their team. So I, I think the Cubs are ready for this. It's going to be tough, but this I, I I think Brendan, this is what we all you know kind of look forward to. You know, all those years that the Cubs are bad. This is playoff baseball. This is you know the calendar turns to September, and these are meaningful, exciting, and hopefully fun baseball games for all of us. So I, I think that's really uh, all that we can ask. And I I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little nervous already, but you know I uh, I'm excited for another you know kind of final month of of Cubs baseball and it's exciting to be in this mix and and for these games to mean so much year in and year out and and before I turn it to you for for final thoughts here I I did want to read uh just one tweet as we head to September here and and uh the Cubs public address announcer Andrew Bellison tweeted this out but it's the Cubs' record in August under Joe Madden. We had talked before, I think, heading into the All-Star break that Joe has a really good track record in the second half, and obviously we've seen that with these Cubs teams since 2015. But just their records in August, and this includes uh, both of the games on Wednesday. So this is updated as of you're listening to this as long as the Cubs have not played the Braves while you're listening to this. 2015, 19 and 9, 2016, 22 and 6, 2017, 17 and 12, 2018, 17 and 9 for an overall record of 75 and 36. That is really good, Brendan, and indicative that, you know, you may not agree with some of his methods throughout the year. You may even look at a game like the, the normal Wednesday game against the Mets. And, you know, wonder why you sit Javi there against a bad pitcher and don't, you know, try to pick up a cheap win against the Mets. 
Joe knows what he's doing. He knows how to get this team to perform and how to keep them performing. So uh, I just wanted to read that out. I thought that was a really impressive number uh, for Joe Madden. Yeah, and there's been a lot of, uh, for lack of a better word, garbage on Joe Madden this week, which we're not going to entertain. But I'm left with one final thought here, Corey, and it is September, and this season has gone by extremely fast. So I'm going to savor these last 30 or so games wherever we're at here. It's going to go by fast once again. And yeah, like I, I think I was, you know, I was thinking about this today too. Like going to the off season, I, it's, it's so long and I catch myself in like December wishing like, oh man, I wish the Cubs were on today. Right. So just kind of dwelling and really appreciating these September games, being four games, five games up on the Brewers and Cardinals. Like this is this is fun, and this is probably the best stretch of Cubs baseball we may see um, in these upcoming years or so. So you got to enjoy it, and with all the different injuries, with KB being out, Demaro and Darvish, it all definitely puts a damper on things, but. This is still so fun to watch. And that's my last thought here is we enter September, another once again dominant stretch of second half baseball by the Cubs, setting themselves up for another deep October run. And they're still young. They're still trying to get their offensive ceiling, their overall potential. It's a good time to be us here, Corey. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. As a season ticket holder, we got our postseason invoice. So, uh, that's always fun and you know kind of indicative of where we are in the world so it's a good time uh where uh, you kind of feel nonchalant about those Wait, so you got tickets. you got your tickets we got the invoice uh, okay because i so wanted i wanted to, to see the uh the, the you know the logos for the playoffs i haven't seen those yet no okay it, it's it's time to when do you, pony up the dough when do you usually get those by the way the t- the actual tickets Sometime in late September, oh, it's I think, that late? usually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a very exciting package, though. It's, <laughs> it's really uh, like Christmas morning all boiled into one because they send all of the tickets in advance. So whether or not the games exist, you do get Cubs World Series tickets delivered to your house at the end of uh, September. So it's, it's a bit of a... Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I remember going to... Game six of the 2016 NLCS, uh, where the Cubs win the pennant against the Los Angeles yep, Dodgers. Yes, they did. Yep, against the Dodgers. Who, yep. Uh, you know, just a small reminder: have not won a World nope. Series this century. Nope. So it's been almost you know, what, thirty so years. Yep. Out. Can you imagine? Right? Can't imagine. But I remember walking as I was getting ready to leave that game and then pulling those tickets out of the package. I remember looking at the World Series tickets, thinking. Man, I wish more than anything that when I come home, these tickets are real. Uh, and they were. So that was pretty cool. So I'm excited to do that again. And, you know, always worth remembering, too, you know, we bring up those numbers with, with the loss column and the games back. You know, as the Cubs head into this tough stretch with no off days on the road, you know, just remember the Cubs don't have to be lights out. You know, you want them to play well. You want them to pick up wins. But they they have a cushion that, you know, the Cardinals have played extremely well, but they will need to keep up that pace if they want to catch the Cubs. And that's if the Cubs only play, you know, mediocre-ish baseball over this stretch. So just just always important to, I think, keep that perspective that what the Cubs have done up until this point is not rendered irrelevant if they, you know, struggle in this stretch or don't necessarily perform to the level that 
we want them to. Like that's why you build up a lead. That's why you try to enter September with, you know, a four and a half, five game lead in the division. Right. So um hopefully doesn't come to that and the Cubs just just play well and uh, you know, maybe push the Phillies out of the playoffs here. But other than that, I, I think that's all we have for you. It'll be a very interesting next few weeks for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, but as always, we thank you guys for listening. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. As always, you can find us on the major podcast listening mediums. We are available every episode on Spotify, iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher. Blog Talk Radio has moved their feed over to a new service called Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. The Blog Talk Radio feed no longer updates, but everything is over on Spreaker, just as easy to use, high-quality audio. So if you were uh, a Blog Talk Radio fan, you can find us there. Again, we we still see those uh, reviews on iTunes rolling in, and we do appreciate them uh, that you guys take the time to do that. Every you know we do read them, so sometimes there are informative nuggets for us on things that uh, you guys like, things that we can improve on. So we always appreciate that. Uh, but other than that, I, I I do think that is all we have for you. As always, we thank you very much for tuning in and your listenership. We will talk to you after the Cubs uh, play one with the Braves on Thursday and three with the Phillies over the weekend. Thanks for listening again, and go Cubs. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.